What a wonderful time of worship we have already had this morning as we have blended our hearts and our minds and yes, even our voices together in praise to our great God. We have uh, several of our younger ones that are with us this morning, those who have been away at college now for a couple of months, and it's certainly good to see them here uh, back visiting with their families and here with us this morning. We, have, we are so blessed, I think, in this church to have so many uh, young men and young women that love God and that are trying to uh, glorify Him in their day-to-day lives and are willing to use the many gifts that God has given to them to help all of us. As we talked about in our adult class in the back this morning from 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and uh, the great emphasis that the Apostle Paul puts there for the church at Corinth and for all of us today as we are part of local groups of God's people around this country and around the world, that we are to show a true Christ-like love for one another as we work together and as we worship together, and that in all the things that we do as we use the gifts and the abilities and talents and the opportunities that God has given to us, to use all of that to build up one another in our faith. And I hope that you have been built up this morning in the songs that we have sung, the prayers that we have offered, the great words that have been said as we have remembered the, the love and the grace and the mercy of our great God as he showed it to us at the cross of Calvary. And let us not take that for granted because there are brothers and sisters in Christ in many different parts of this world that are worshiping even perhaps this very time that we are this morning that maybe don't have all the blessings that we have. And so we always ought to be appreciative and thankful to our great God for that. If you have your New Testament with you this morning, you can open there to the passage that our brother Don began our assembly with a little while ago to John chapter 10. John chapter 10 is where we will be thinking from God's word this morning. One of the many pictures that Scripture uses to describe the relationship of God and his people is that of a shepherd and sheep. But Scripture also uses that same imagery to describe the relationship that it ought to exist between God's leaders and God's people. While we may often think about this relationship, perhaps from the standpoint of how shepherds of a local flock are to lead and feed and care for the sheep that God has given to them to manage and in their charge. Today, I want us to think about this relationship that exists between shepherds and sheep, but to think about it from the sheep's side, to think about how those of us who are sheep can support our shepherds here at Fairview in the work that they are doing. And so to help us to do that, I want us to look at the relationship that Jesus speaks of here in this text in John chapter 10, the relationship that exists between the good shepherd and his sheep here in this chapter. And as we look at just a few things that are said to us here in John chapter 10, I want us to pull out three ways that all of us who are members of this congregation, members of this flock here at Fairview, three ways that we can all support our four shepherds in the work that God has assigned them to do. So I want us to read again here from John chapter 10, beginning at verse 1. We'll mostly focus our thoughts on verses 1 through 5, but we'll pull out some other verses, some other good things for us to consider that are said 
uh, later on in this chapter. Again, Jesus speaking here says in John chapter 10 and verse 1, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter by the door into the fold of the sheep, but climbs up some other way, he is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is a shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he puts forth all his own, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. A stranger they simply will not follow, but will flee from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. The first thing I want us to think about this morning as to what our role is in this relationship, what responsibilities we have to our shepherds, is what Jesus says here again about his relationship as the good shepherd to his sheep, that we need to be people as sheep of this local flock who are hearing our shepherds. Notice what Jesus says there again at verse 3. As he's talking about the uh, one who is an imposter, we might say, uh, one who is a fake or a phony, he is maybe uh, with his appearance in some way or even with his voice trying to disguise himself and trying to trick the sheep into thinking that he is the true shepherd that really loves them and cares about them and is going to provide for all of their needs in contrast to the one who actually is the shepherd. Notice that he says here in verse 3, to him the doorkeeper opens and the sheep hear his voice. Notice down in verse 16, a verse obviously we haven't read already, but Jesus continues this thought, this relationship in describing the relationship of the good shepherd with his sheep. At verse 16, he says, I have other sheep which are not of this flock or fold. I must bring them also and they will hear my voice. And then at the kind of the end of this whole conversation about shepherd being the shepherd and sheep, at verse 27, once again, he says, my sheep hear my voice. When, when the good shepherd enters the door or the gate to the sheepfold, the, the sheep immediately recognize the voice of their shepherd. They are sitting at attention, we might say. They are ready to hear his voice. They are ready to hear his words. And not only to hear what he has to say to them, but they are listening intently, I imagine, here. They, they are hearkening, or they are listening, hearing his words so that they can hearken his instructions. As the other sheep, as we, Jesus talks about here in verse 16, that there are other sheep who are not of this fold at this particular time as other sheep are entering the fold, they too are doing the same thing. They are hearing the voice of the good shepherd. They are becoming one with him. They are united with him. And the end result, notice of them hearing him at verse 27. We didn't read the end of that verse. We'll come back to that again. But he says here in verse 27, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me and I, verse 28, give eternal life to them. So why was it so important for the sheep? Why is it important for us as sheep today to listen to our good shepherd, Jesus Christ? We're wanting to listen to him, to pay attention to what he is telling us, his instructions, his words of life, so that we too can enjoy eternal life with him. And you may say, well, that's all fine and well in our individual walk and in our individual relationship with Jesus Christ because as he describes himself here in this text, he is the good shepherd as he describes himself in 1 Peter chapter 5. He is the great shepherd. He is a perfect shepherd. But shepherds of a local flock are not perfect. 
Our shepherds here, they are all, in my estimation, good men. They are godly men. They know the word of God well. But our shepherds are not infallible deity. They are fallible men. But still, I think the point we can learn, or at least the point I can take away from this particular thought here in John 10, is that we who are sheep need to hear their voice when they are speaking truth to us. We need to hear our shepherds of this local flock when they are trying to feed us with the word of God, when they are trying to feed us with the word of God's grace so that we can be built up, we can be encouraged and strengthened in our walk with Christ, and we too can enjoy an eternal inheritance with Him. I want you to think about some words that the Apostle Paul said uh, to a group of elders, a group of shepherds, the shepherds of the church at Ephesus as he was meeting with them in the city of Miletus. Back in Acts chapter 20 at verse 32, as he is giving them uh, some encouragements, as he is giving them some admonitions, as he is giving them some final instructions, because he is confident that he's not going to see them again, at least in person. And so notice what Paul wrote here in Acts 20 at verse 32, uh, specifically to the elders of this church. He says, now I commend you to God Uh, to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Obviously, as elders, as a group of elders, as an eldership, whatever term you want to, to, to use to describe those men who were leading and feeding the church here at Ephesus, he is wanting them to feast upon God. He is wanting them to feast upon the word of God's grace. He is wanting them to be built up. But it's not just for them in the role and the work that God has given them to do as being shepherds of this flock. He is wanting them then to speak the word of God's grace to the flock and instruct them in God's ways so that the church there at Ephesus can be built up. They can be encouraged. And so we need to listen to our shepherds here as they try to instruct us with the word of God's grace because it is for our good. It is for our benefit. We need to listen when our shepherds are patiently admonishing us or encouraging us or helping us in our daily walk with Jesus Christ. We're going to come back to this particular text here in a little bit, little while, a little bit later on in our sermon. But notice what is said to us here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 at verse 14. Paul is giving us some instructions for all of us in the body of Christ, all of us who are a part of a local congregation to think about and to think about how we can carry out these instructions. He says there at verse 14, we urge you brethren to admonish the unruly, to encourage the faint-hearted, to help the weak, to be patient with everyone. Sometimes maybe we read that instruction because it does come after verses 12 and 13 that we'll come back to in a little bit, little bit. And we read that and maybe we think, well, that's just instructions to those who are elders, those who are overseers or shepherds of a local flock. But no, Paul is addressing all of us who are Christians. And he's urging us as brethren in the Lord that we all have a responsibility to to admonish the unruly, to encourage the faint-hearted, to help those who are weak in their faith, and to be patient with everyone in that entire process. But those who are shepherds especially, I believe, have this charge, this work to do. And so we need to be people who are listening to them as they are going about the process maybe of admonishing us when we need a warning or encouraging us when we are discouraged and we are down, or helping us as we are weak and maybe we can't take one step in front of the other, spiritually speaking, we need to listen to them 
because the words that they are speaking are very important. We as sheep also need to pay close attention when our elders exhort us or refute us or others when perhaps we are in error or maybe we are drifting away from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. In the book of Titus, as the Apostle Paul is sent the evangelist Titus here to the island of Crete, and it seems like a big purpose that he has sent him for is given to us here, beginning at verse 5. He says, For this reason I left you in Crete, that you would set in order what remains and appoint elders in every city as I directed you. He wanted those churches, those congregations on that island to function as God wants them to function, to have leadership that will help them in their walk with Christ. But notice what he says as he's giving the character of a man who is to be an overseer. He is to be a shepherd of a local flock. Notice what he says there at verse 9, that they are to be holding fast the faithful word, which is in accordance with the teaching, so that he will be able both to exhort and sound doctrine and to refute those who contradict. That that is a work, that is a part of the work of our shepherds here, that as they may see us, maybe we don't even see ourselves that we are going down the wrong path, that we have taken a wrong turn somewhere in our journey with Jesus Christ, but because they are men of experience and they are men of wisdom and they are men who love us and love the Lord, and they don't want to see us go off on the wrong direction, that they may have to admonish us. Maybe it is something that we're teaching that is wrong. And maybe we don't realize that that is not the truth of God's word, but they can, with a, of course, the right attitude, a humble heart, but genuine love for our souls, they can admonish us. They can refute what we are saying and get us back on the right path. We as sheep also need to give our shepherds our full attention when they are giving us important information or instructions concerning any aspect of our collective work. In short, hearing our shepherds speak, I think, means that we as sheep need to be submitting to their spiritual leadership. I think about something that the writer of the book of Hebrews said at the very end of this book. In Hebrews chapter 13 at verse 17, here the writer gives us this instruction. He says, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with grief for this would be unprofitable for you. I realize that the writer doesn't mention the word elder or overseer or shepherd, but I believe that those men are included here. Obey your leaders, submit yourselves to them. Why? Because they are doing a very important work. They are fulfilling a role that God has given in his church. They are watching over our souls if they are men who are trying to do the work that God has given them to do, has assigned them to do. They are concerned about our souls. They are watching over our souls. They will give an account for how they have done their work or not done their work to the chief shepherd when he appears. And that's something I think that's very hard for just us as human beings to do, to submit to anyone, but especially as 21st century Americans, because we kind of like to be independent. I'm speaking for myself here too. You know, we kind of like to have our own thoughts and our own will and go our own way. And we've got our, our, our own path set up before us. But if our path is not aligned with the path that God has given to us in his word, we're, we're going down the wrong path. And sometimes we need correction. Sometimes we need instruction. And we need to be people who are hearing 
our shepherds as they lead us and as they speak truth to us. And so you need to examine yourself. I think we all need to examine ourselves collectively. Are you, are we, even am I, really hearing our shepherds in this local flock? Second point is we come back to our text in the Gospel of John in chapter 10 is not only do we need to hear our shepherds, but we need to hear them with the intention of following them. Again, notice what Jesus says about this relationship between himself as the good shepherd and his sheep. Verse 4, he says, When he, the shepherd, puts out all his own, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. A stranger they simply will not follow, but will flee from him because they do not know the voice of the strangers. And then again at verse 27, he says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Since the sheep, as we just talked about in the previous point, they know the good shepherd's voice. They are fleeing when a stranger speaks to them. Maybe the stranger, again, is trying to disguise himself in some way, is trying to trick the sheep into thinking that he is their good shepherd, that he cares for them, but he's really just looking out for his own interests. He's seeking to do harm to the sheep, and they're going to run away as, as fast as they can when they hear a stranger sheep, a, str- a stranger speak. However, because they know the voice of their shepherd, they are following him wherever he might lead them. Of course, John 10, again, is speaking of this relationship between the good shepherd and the sheep. And our good shepherd is a perfect shepherd. Our good shepherd is never going to tell us to do anything that would lead us astray from God. Our good shepherd is not going to lead us down the wrong path. Whatever our good shepherd Jesus Christ says to us, wherever he leads us, we can always know, we can have confidence that it's always right. It is always for our eternal good. Therefore, all of us who are his true followers, including shepherds of a local flock, we must hang on the every, every word of our shepherd, Jesus Christ. We must follow his every word. We must follow his perfect example in all things. And yes, as I've already said this morning, our shepherds are not perfect. <laughs> they are men. They have their own struggles. They have their own temptations. There are times when they are discouraged just like we all are. But although our shepherds are not perfect in every way as our good shepherd is, we who are sheep need to follow them at least to the extent that they follow Jesus Christ. I think about the words of Paul to the church in Corinth. Very familiar words, I'm sure, to many of us. As Paul began chapter 11 there by saying, imitate me or follow me as I imitate or follow Christ. The apostle Paul obviously, as far as we know, was not a shepherd of a local flock. But he was an apostle of Jesus Christ. He was one who was leading the people of God during this time of the first century. He was feeding them with the word of God. He was living out the gospel in his life. He was encouraging fellow Christians to follow his example, not because he was perfect, not because he never made a mistake, but he was encouraging them to follow his example to the extent that he followed the example of Jesus Christ. And so those who were shepherds here among us, I'm confident that they're trying to follow the example of Jesus Christ? Are they going to follow his example perfectly? No, none of us do. But to the extent that they are leading us 
to Jesus Christ to be more like him, just kind of like John the Baptist preparing the way for the Savior, Jesus Christ. You know, when Jesus came walking along, John didn't say, look at me. He said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. You look to him. John's whole life and mission was about helping people see Jesus more clearly. And that's what our shepherds hopefully are doing for us. But then we have the words of one who was a shepherd in a local flock, the words of the Apostle Peter. And I want us to think about those words from this standpoint and this point of following them. In 1 Peter chapter 5, let's read here verses 1 through 4. 1 Peter chapter 5, beginning at verse 1, Peter writes, Therefore I exhort the elders among you as your fellow elder, and witness of the sufferings of Christ, and a partaker also of the glory that is to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but voluntarily according to the will of God, and not for sordid gain, but with eagerness, nor yet as lording it over those allotted to your charge, but proving to be examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory." You younger men, likewise, be subject to your elders, and all of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another, for God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. As overseers of a local flock, our overseers here, our shepherds here, as we've already pointed out this morning, they must be following the good shepherd, the chief shepherd, as they shepherd the sheep within their care. Those who are shepherds, of a local flock, they must oversee the sheep as Jesus oversees his sheep. And how is that? I think there's a couple of important words or ideas that we find here in these few verses in 1 Peter chapter 5. Peter says to those who are shepherds of a local flock, you need to serve willingly. You need to serve voluntarily, not under compulsion. And we think about Jesus Christ as he was here upon earth And that certainly could be said about all of Christ's life here on earth, that he voluntarily came to earth as a man. He voluntarily became a servant to all people. He voluntarily laid down his life upon the cross and suffered the shame and the pain of that crucifixion for us. And so shepherds in a local flock are to follow his example in that regard to willingly do the work that God has given them to do. To do that according to the will of God, to be those who are obedient, to be selfless, not for sordid gain. They're not trying to gain anything or get anything out of the work that they are doing, something that would promote themselves, but their work ought to be all about promoting our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and His will. To do that zealously with eagerness, Peter says, and then to sum all of that up, He says, you as shepherds of a local flock, you are to be examples to the flock. Again, are they going to be perfect examples? No. (laughs) There are going to be times when they sin. There are going to be times when uh, maybe their example is not what it should be. But for the most part, they are to be leading us in the way of Christ. And so we're looking at this passage here, 1 Peter chapter 5, from the viewpoint of the shepherds in this relationship between shepherds and sheep. But I would submit to you as we think about all those things that shepherds are to be, that being examples to the flock, I believe, implies that we who are sheep are to follow their example. Otherwise, why would it be important for shepherds in this congregation here at Fairview to be examples to us? 
of what a mature Christian ought to be. If we are not to look at their example and to learn something from their example and to follow their example in our own lives. Specifically, though, we need to follow the example of our shepherds, to follow their example of godly and faithful conduct, and to imitate their faith in our own lives. Again, going back to the book of Hebrews in chapter 13, this time from verse 7. Realize the writer, again, doesn't mention the word shepherd or elder or overseer here in this verse. In my mind, they are included at least in this verse. But he says to us in Hebrews 13 and verse 7, Remember those who led you, who spoke the word of God to you. Listen to this. And considering the result of their conduct, imitate their faith. It's not that these men are perfect people, perfect men, perfect brothers in Christ in the sense that Jesus Christ, the good shepherd, is perfect. But they are to be examples to us. They are to be leading us, not only in their words, but to be leading us and instructing us and encouraging us and helping us to grow in their example as a Christian. Practically speaking, that means following their example in our character and in our attitude, in our words, and in our actions, thus all of us growing to maturity in Christ. We're not going to take the time to read these two texts this morning, but 1 Timothy chapter 3 and Titus chapter 1 gives us the picture of a shepherd. That This is the kind of man that he needs to be. That This is the kind of character that he must have as he is leading God's people, as he is leading a local flock. And in all of these characteristics, he is to be an example to us, an example of one who is hospitable, an example of one uh, who is uh, slow to anger and is patient. And all of those characteristics that are mentioned there in those two texts. But we ought to be learning from them. And we ought to be using that, their example, to help us to grow to look more like Jesus Christ. And so again, we need to ask ourselves, are you, are we collectively, am I even as an individual following the Christ-like example of our shepherds here? And then thirdly and finally this morning from John chapter 10, Jesus in talking about this relationship between shepherds and sheep, between the good shepherd and his sheep, says that we need to know them. John chapter 10, again at verse 4, he says, When he puts forth all his own, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. Again, verse 5, a stranger they simply will not follow, but will flee from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. And then notice verses 14 and 15, he says, I am the good shepherd, and I know my own, and my own know me, even as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. In the previous two points that we've already considered this morning from this great chapter about hearing our shepherds and following our shepherds, and as we think about that from the relationship, from the standpoint of the relationship that Jesus specifically addresses here in John 10, why is it? Why do the sheep hear the good shepherd's voice? Why do, as they hear the shepherd's voice, why do they follow him wherever he leads? Maybe they don't know exactly where they're going. Why why is it that they are following his instructions and following him wherever he may lead them? It is because of this third point that they truly know him. He, of course, as the good shepherd knows them, but there's also a responsibility that they have to know him. 
The knowledge that Jesus speaks of here in this text in John 10, I believe, is more than just a surface knowledge about who the shepherd is. He is talking here and describing here sheep that have an intimate, a full, a true knowledge. It is a knowledge that mirrors, as as we read there from verses 14 and 15, the, the relationship that exists between the Father and the Son. That the Father knows the Son very intimately, very closely in a way that no one else does. And the Son knows the Father in an intimate, close way, in a way that no one else does. And so He gives us that as the perfect model or example to follow. As we think about this relationship this morning of shepherds and sheep, obviously, again, the good shepherd's knowledge of the sheep is greater than the sheep's knowledge of the shepherd. However, don't let this point pass us by this morning that Jesus says here several times in just a few verses that the sheep know me. Well, how do we come to know Jesus Christ? He's obviously not walking here physically among us today as he was speaking these words in John 10. The apostles, the disciples, anyone could physically see Jesus. They could hear these great words coming from his lips. They could see the miracles that he was performing. They could see the compassion that he had as he stopped to help people who were in great need or taking a child into his arms. They could physically see all of that. And of course we can't, but still the point remains that we as sheep in the kingdom... We must come to know Jesus. How do we do that? How do we come to know Jesus Christ? Well, it is by spending time with Him in this book, isn't it? It is by spending time with Jesus Christ in the Word of God. Even though our shepherds here at Fairview certainly are not men who are all-knowing, nor are we that are sheep. We still need to know them as closely as we can. We still need to make it a priority in our life that we are going to develop a close relationship and fellowship with them that results in this true unity that Jesus speaks of here, this true unity or oneness in a local flock. So what might that look like just on a practical level? Well, let's think about a few applications of that. Knowing our shepherds means knowing them well enough to greet them in the Lord when we see them. Again, back to the book of Hebrews in Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 24. Again, the writer doesn't use the word shepherd or elder or overseer here. But he says at verse 24, as he's just about to close out this great letter about Jesus Christ and him being superior and better, he says, greet all of your leaders and all the saints, those from Italy greet you. We need to know them well enough that we obviously know their names. But more than that, that we are willing to engage them in conversation, that we are willing to greet them. We are willing to extend God's blessings to them. We, we are willing to converse with them, I think is the idea here. And of course, that means that we have to know them as much as we can. Knowing our shepherds also means knowing their character and knowing their heart and knowing their personality, knowing even their judgments as they have to decide things to lead this congregation forward. And all of that ought to result in appreciating and esteeming them very highly and the work that God has assigned them to do. Back to the book of 1 Thessalonians in chapter 5 again. Notice what Paul writes here at verse 12. He says, but we request of you, brethren, that you appreciate those who diligently labor among you and have charge over you in the Lord and give you instructions. Uh, 
and that you esteem them very highly in love because of their work, live in peace with one another. Again, Paul doesn't say here, doesn't use the word elder or overseer or shepherd. But at the very least, I believe those men who are shepherding a local flock of God's people, that they are included in those who are laboring among us. They are included in those who have charge over us in the Lord. They are included in those who are giving us instruction. They're trying to lead us in the truth of God's word. And Paul says, our responsibility then is, as we've already talked about this morning, to hear what they are saying to us, to follow their example as they follow the example of Christ but also to esteem them, to hold them in high regard. Not that we're putting these four men that that serve as shepherds here in this congregation on a pedestal and, and we're saying that they are equal to God, that they are equal to Jesus Christ or anything like that, that they are super Christians even. But we are to esteem them very highly in love. Why? Because of the work that God has assigned them to do. Knowing our shepherds also means knowing their work well enough that we are willing to honor them, which kind of goes along with this idea here in this passage of esteeming them to the point of even providing financial support for the work that they are doing, if if that should be the case, because they are giving themselves to helping us grow spiritually by sharing their spiritual wisdom with us so that we can live the word out in our life the apostle in writing to the younger preacher Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 5 gave him some instructions specifically connected to those who were shepherds. He says at verse 17 of 1 Timothy 5, the elders who rule well are to be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who work hard at preaching and teaching. For the scripture says you shall not muzzle the ox while he is threshing and the laborer is worthy of his wages. To my knowledge, our, the four men that serve as shepherds here aren't in a position of needing the church to support them financially, but certainly we can support them in other ways. We can encourage them. We can help them in just the work that we do so that all of the work is not put at their feet. But knowing our shepherds also here, and finally at verse 19 of this text, means honoring them by not receiving a frivolous or an unfounded accusation against them. Paul goes on to say, in connection with elders, do not receive an accusation against an elder except on the basis of two or three witnesses. This point, I think, really was established back in the law of Moses. You know, about how, how do you come to a conclusion about what is the truth of some matter? How do judges among the Israelites make a true and a fair judgment? They have to consider the testimony, the, the eyewitness accounts of at least two or three individuals. And if those stories cannot be corroborated, if all of that information cannot be put together, if there is conflicting testimony or evidence that is given, then they were not to accuse that person of being guilty of something. So Paul says that same standard applies, I think, to all of us who are Christians, but especially to those who would lead us in the role of shepherds. And so I think that means for us as sheep, we need to be very careful about what we would say to each other as brethren, as sheep in a local flock, about anyone, certainly, but especially about those who are shepherding us and watching out for our souls. To truly know our shepherds, we must be spending time with them. Are we doing that? They have a responsibility, as I've already pointed out this morning, to know us. They have a responsibility to 
uh, get to know us and to spend time with us. But here's the reality of the situation. There are four of them. There's 150, 160 of us. And so their task in some ways is a lot greater than our task. But are we thinking about our shepherds here as we think about showing hospitality in our homes? Do we think, well, they're, they're mature Christians. They're knowledgeable. Uh, they, they probably never get discouraged. They never get disappointed. They, they never have doubts. They are shepherds, but they are like us in that regard. And so as we think about extending hospitality, as we think about those maybe who we send notes of encouragement to throughout the week, those that we might send an encouraging text to, those that we just might visit with when our assemblies are over, do we kind of dismiss maybe in our minds, even subconsciously, our elders, our shepherds? Because again, to truly know our shepherds, we must be people who are spending time with them. Are we doing that? How well do you know these four men who shepherd us here? How well do we collectively know them? Something for us to consider. I think it can be very easy for us to just take this blessing for granted to take this blessing that God has given us for men who are willing to shepherd this congregation. Imperfect men, yes. But I think as far as I can tell so far, they are striving to do their best. They're striving to do the work that God has given them to do. Because I've been in congregations, and probably many of you have as well, who didn't have any shepherds at all and maybe didn't have any prospects of having any men who would prepare themselves for shepherding a local flock of God's people. And you know how that goes, and I know how that goes, and it's often not a good thing. That is not God's way. But how blessed we are with these four brothers who have the desire, the character, and the skills, and they are continuing to learn and grow to shepherd us. And so we need to be doing all that we can to be good sheep by supporting them in the good work that God has given them to do. You will probably hear, if I stay here long enough, a lesson like this again in another year or two or three, because I think it's so important for us as a congregation to think about our responsibilities to those men that have taken on the awesome task, oftentimes a thankless task, of leading us in the ways of God. What about you this morning? We've not said anything to those who are not Christians about what you need to do to become a Christian, but... The good shepherd is calling you through his word. And he wants you to make the decision this very moment, this very hour to become one of his sheep. Would you listen? Would you hear Zion's call? Would you follow Jesus Christ wherever he may lead you? Would you devote the rest of your earthly life to really knowing who Jesus is and being in close fellowship and relationship with him so that you can enjoy that for all eternity? Would you take those first steps this morning? If you need to do that very thing, we would encourage you to respond to his invitation as we stand and as we sing. Let's all sing.